This is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. didn't have a chance to listen to the stuff we did over the weekend uh, then much to your surprise uh, there's a little bit of listening that you have to do uh, about events in uh, in Ukraine and it's been you know pretty amazing historically historical stuff right um, you know, you wonder the last time this happened was, um, right, in the, in the 1930s when Hitler unleashed this. And um, Vladimir Putin's calculus that he can do whatever he wants. And uh, the response of uh, the West, first of all, the first order of business was what would Germany do? And, we, you know, we talked about that. Would his economic and you know inroads facilitated by Angela Merkel, Russia's sponsor on the European continent, who's remained largely out of sight, right? So those pipelines that, that pumped gas and energy into that was that was designed specifically not only for economics but to leverage that. Uh, that Vladimir Putin would have uh, over Europe. And, oh, no, no, he'll never do that. You know, the... Um, the more we integrate, again, the whole argument, same with China, the more we integrate Russia into the continent, and they have to be integrated, right? Right? the more their behavior will modify and the more, you know, European they will become. Right. Right. Good one. So, and then his calculation, Putin's calculation, right, that he, he would just, he could just go do this and this thing would be over in short order. And I'll tell you what, you cannot, 
you cannot say enough incredible things about uh, the heroism of the um, the soldiers, sailors, airmen. Does the Ukraine? Do they have? <laughs> do they have Marines? I hope so. Um, you can't say enough about the heroism, their leaders, and the tenacious fight they wage for their own nation. And then, you know, the other thing that's been pretty amazing is that, you know, nobody's been able to isolate Ukraine from electronically. So we're watching this on Twitter, you know, on a minute-by-minute minute basis. So it's, it's, it's been amazing to watch uh, the videotape of, of the fighting that's gone on and so uh yeah absolutely amazing absolutely amazing and you know ukraine teaching the entire world a lesson about what it is to you know defend yourself and love freedom and then you know as we talked about yesterday what are the implications for taiwan what are the taiwanese people sitting there thinking as they watch this what are the chinese thinking his backer, Putin's backer, Xi Jinping. What is he thinking? And he's like, I knew that guy was an idiot. And now he sucked me down this hole, right? How the hell do I get my ass out of it? Because I, I backed him. And now the whole world, even Europe has turned on him. Even, I mean, they're hammering him. The United States announced earlier today, and we'll get to the news here, and then Grant will join us. And as I said, the Mensa brothers will join me in about uh, an hour. No, an hour? Yeah, we'll record it in an hour. And then, then we'll, well, maybe I'll do it live. Yeah, they're supposed to join me at 9 o'clock. So after Grant comes on, we'll just flip it to them. And uh, maybe we'll do that live if you guys want to hear it live. I don't know if you want to hear it live, though, honestly. <laughs> Uh, maybe that's not a good idea. Um, so at some point, I will put that that piece of it up today as well. So anyway, uh, the United States Marine Corps Band makes this Monday morning official uh, on, a, uh, on an extraordinary day um, in world history. So um, good morning to you. <laughs> Uh, 
I don't know. This might be a, a standard thing, but uh, this is dedicated to uh, the people of Ukraine, uh, to their citizens who rallied to their nation uh, in their own cause of independence and freedom, and uh, to their military, uh, who's uh, offered a great example to the entire planet on what it is to be loyal to your country, to, to you know, at your own personal risk and the risk of your life, right, to, uh, to fight, right? And that is, uh, that's how our nation was born. So this is uh, dedicated to all those people. God bless you. Good luck to you. Happy hunting. And kick their fucking asses, okay? Do the rest of us a favor. I know we've been a marginal help to you, but kick their fucking asses. betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> but I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds and win. You gotta win. Alright, we'll check the weather. <laughs> Currently it is partly sunny in 45 in Quantico. We're uh my son, my daughter-in-law, my both my grandsons live. Yeah, 
Yeah, they got a new one. Um, I can't remember if I've done this since the last time that happened. Anyway, so that's going on. Um, it is sunny and 54 at Cherry Point. 29 Palms, it is sunny and 58. Camp Pendleton, sunny and 59. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy, 68. Okinawa, dark cloudy, 68. In Manila, dark cloudy and 80. And in Toma, Wisconsin, it is sunny and 35 degrees. That's where I just came from. At the home of Armoring Radio, the Costa Mesa Newport Beach of Southern California. It is fair and 56. Looking for a high of 71 today. Yeah, how about that? I'm sorry, 79 today. 77 tomorrow, 74 on Wednesday, 67 on Thursday, and 63 on Friday. One of the things that I was curious, uh, if you listen to the little thing that we did yesterday, uh, at the end of it, I said in the next 24 hours, or 12 to 18 hours since we recorded it, uh, what are you going to be interested to see? And, and the thing I said was, will the, will the Swiss freeze Russian assets? Because let me tell you, um, you know, you're an oligarch, Russian type. Where do you have your money? Well, you don't have it in Russia, that's for sure. Where do you have it, right? Well, you probably have it spread out in different places, you know, hidden on top of hidden on top of hidden. But Switzerland is one place, right? Headline. In the New York Times, Switzerland says it will freeze Russian assets, setting aside a tradition of neutrality. So, amazing. I mean, again, historic stuff you're seeing, and Tim made the comment yesterday, they didn't do that during World War II with Hitler and, and Goebbels and all those guys. But Switzerland has, has, has thrown off their neutrality, which they assume in, just, in every case, and they froze it now. To me, that's, why is that a huge deal? Who's the big threat to Vladimir Putin? Other Russian oligarchs. When everything they own is going down the shitter, at that point, they begin to look at him and say, hey man, you know we love you, but we can't have this. You've got to end this or you've got to go. And so, again, not to say that it always comes back to money, but... It always comes back to money. All right. Um, let's see. Waiting for Grant to tell me that he's ready. He just said, all set. Okay. So, um, we'll do some news headlines with Grant. And, uh, yeah, he said, can we, can I have another, can we go at 830? And I said, yeah. And then he sends me a text, I'm ready. Come on, man. Like, what? what is going on here? So now, how do I do, how do I involve Grant in this conversation and get you to hear it too? That's a good question. We'll see if I can figure this out. I'll be able to hear him. The question is, can you?
Now, Grant, you are on the air, okay? So, yeah, we're doing, we're doing, we're doing, we're doing the live thing right now. What's that? Live as we speak, as opposed to what else does live mean to you? <laughs> oh, like, yeah, that's, no, that would be live too, okay? But that's not what we're talking about. Um, but I'm, tr I'm trying to, hold on one second. Say something. No, see, I can hear you, but they cannot. Um, no, that's... I'm trying to find a way to... Real tech, Western Digital. That's... Okay, say something now. Let's see. Okay, it's uh, how can you hear me now? Um, Lima Charlie, over. So everybody can hear you okay. now. How wonderful, huh? L Lima Charlie. Yeah, that's oh, loud and clear. <laughs> loud and clear. Got it. Okay, now now I know what you're talking about. Um, I, I want to get your a breaking a breaking news story uh, that started yesterday, but I want to get your thoughts. I mean, well, first of all, let me ask you a general question. I mean, honestly, Grant historical historical world history world historical type of stuff over the course of the last four days um let me just get your general thoughts on it well yeah when you think about it you know it's um we thought the well, some people thought uh this thing would never happen again would be in a war in europe where i mean a real war where you have a um, sort of a country a big country russia that's a member of the u.n security council that attacks, invades another country. And it really invades them, not just nibbles off some end of it. And this is something that most people thought was old, sort of what, what old people did, you know, the older generations. This is, but we're so much smarter now that this could never happen again. So we are, this is, you know, a, a big deal. And it is historic. And, you know, I, I like history and I like reading about wars and the like, but I conflict and stuff. But I, I prefer reading about it happening to other people like generations ago. Uh, but this is something that uh, uh, is a big deal and not least because of the pot potential for escalation, both geographically and in terms of what gets uh, gets done, both uh, militarily, but also the economic effects of this. Uh, the political effects uh, as well, that nobody quite knows what you know, what those will be. Um, let me ask you about uh, a uh, a story that's breaking, then, then we'll go through some news headlines and, and give you a chance to, uh, to talk about it. Switzerland says it will freeze Russian assets, setting aside a tradition of neutrality. Um, I, I was speculating about this yesterday when I saw the headline first. The thing that will get somebody and the discussion of Vladimir Putin moving on will be nothing political, right? It will be his oligarch friends who begin to lose fortunes because they cannot get their money in the, from the financial system of the world. And when 
they're, I mean, Vlad, you know we love you like a brother, okay? But you've got to go, right? You've got to go because you are now costing me my, my, my billions of dollars. And so, um, Grant, your thoughts on uh, the actions of, of, of Sw- the Swiss people, and that's on top of um, the swift uh, transactions that have been um, that, that have been addressed, you know. But again, there's some nuance to that, so we should talk about that. And then there's uh, and then also the United States announced it would freeze Russian assets in in, in the American financial system. And so, uh, when you have Europe and the United States doing this. Um, it's really, really, I mean, honestly, historic, unbelievable stuff to watch. But your thoughts on the Swiss? <laughs> well, you hear the word Swiss banks and then some um, discussion of what honesty or sort of principle, it does make one laugh. Uh, the, the Swiss financial system, they would do business with any criminal who shows up with a bag of money, uh, no matter what they say. And this is hilarious, actually, to say them say that they're going to crack down on sort of Russian wealth in their country. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, it's nice to hear them say it, but let's hear them report what they've actually done. Uh, it, you say, if they did it, that would be something. I remember being in, um, it was Geneva. This was 2005 or six, and just walking down by the lake, and there was these you know, three guys, clearly thuggish Russians with some statuesque blonde and uh, you know, suitcases or briefcases. And it's just, it typified the whole sort of Swiss approach to sort of finance, which is if it's, if it's money, it's welcome. Uh, I remember there were also um, money changes, money, the money exchanges in Geneva. And a guy pointed out and said, Oh, this one, oh, we found uh, that the, the, the number for that one in a, out of in the pocket of a dead terrorist in Iraq. Uh, that's Switzerland for you. So I'll believe it when I see it, but it is nice to see them saying it. Um, it'd be uh, just as helpful if London, if the British did the same thing. For 20 years, they have welcomed every criminal from anywhere on earth with money, and particularly Russian uh, oligarchs. That, uh, the welcome mat was out all over London, so there's plenty of money in British banks, in the city of London, uh, the stock markets, and the real estate is all over the place. So it's there to be taken. And it'll be interesting to see if anyone actually does it. And as you note, as you've noted, though, it's um, I think that you can probably learn more about or as much about how the Russian leadership works by watching like a, a, a what a season of The Sopranos. Right. Uh, and that is I'm not really joking. That's kind of how it is. Because right. as you noted, you know, you think like when Tony goes to meet the you know, like the bosses from New York. You know, these are all powerful, you know, tough guys. And the idea is, well, they, you know, they have an alliance, you know, they cooperate. But no, they're always looking for weakness. And once one guy shows some weakness or stumbles, that the others are going to jump on him. And I think Putin must worry about uh, what his um, associates just might do uh, in the event that, as you said, if they lose their stuff, uh, they lose the good life. Um, and, and their money, they can't get access to it. So their choice is to go live on whatever they've got in Russian banks or in their pockets, you know, out in their, you know, Dasha somewhere or in North Korea, perhaps someplace that'll take them. And that's not quite the same as hanging out on your yacht in Monaco. Uh, so or your, you know, your apartment in Knightsbridge and, you know, what have what have you. 
So that would be very interesting to see how this plays out if the Europeans and the Americans uh, really are serious about cracking down on the, the finances of uh, Russia's leadership. So that will be an interesting one to see. Uh, as you, you mentioned, the Americans have uh, sort of taken some steps to also make it harder for the, the Russians to uh, sort of involve themselves in the international financial system. You mentioned cutting off the access to the SWIFT, so-called SWIFT system. Right. Now, that makes it makes life difficult for the Russians. It's sort of like having a, you know, a big box of money and you can't spend it because you, you can't send it anywhere. You can't do anything with it. Um, so that's uh, it, it's a real inconvenience for them. It's not quite the, the kiss of death that it would have been, say, 20, 30 years ago. Right. Uh, but it does make, make things much harder for them. Let me ask you, um, let me ask you, I mean, obviously, um, to say it's been inspiring to watch the Ukrainian people and the Ukrainian military is, is, a, is, a, is a vast understatement. Right. I mean, it's been more than inspiring and they've taught that they've inspired the world. Right. And I think you have nations looking at themselves that are trying to play catch up like, yeah, we didn't think it was going to go like this. And, uh, and and holy shit, we need to get on the Ukraine train and help as much as we can so we don't look like fools when this thing maybe goes the other way. But so you're you're in Taiwan. Um, obviously, the Taiwanese people um have whether they care about it or not uh have a very very similar situation that they live in uh, with a nation across the body of water that claims that yeah you belong to us um and the taiwanese people have lived free you know forever and um has has there i mean you're there has there been much written about this um i mean is there a sentiment about this yeah people are people notice uh, and the government notices, of course. Uh, there's plenty of people who will announce that this is different. You know, Taiwan's different because of this or that. But the, maybe geographically, it's a more difficult operational problem. Uh, but otherwise, it's the same basic idea. Is some big country thinks that it deserves uh, to have some other country. So it's going to take it. Uh, and the the message is not lost on the Taiwanese, and the Japanese are well aware of this too. You know, they you had Prime Minister Abe say the other day that, well, Japan just might like to have American nuclear weapons in in Japan. Holy and shit! He, <laughs> right? Something he said something like that, and yeah. it, was, it was pretty close enough. Right. And uh, it, he also said that the it didn't get reported as much that Japan ought to. Uh, do away with this policy of strategic ambiguity towards Taiwan, uh, which means that Japan ought to do more directly to support Taiwan. And that's a big deal. So this Ukrainian uh, situation, which I think many people couldn't quite believe would happen, that it does seem to have woken up uh, some people who were otherwise you know, sort of whistling past the graveyard or hoping that nothing would happen or and you know, life would just go on. But this has uh, sort of changed some psychology uh, pretty, I think, substantially. Well, you know, um, what's been really interesting to me is, um, well, but wait, I don't want to leave that subject. The thing that you said Prime Minister, former Prime Minister Abe said is stunning, right? Because that has... It really is. Yeah, I mean, it's like mm -hmm. the former 
Prime Minister of Japan said that? And you're just thinking, wow, wow. And both those statements, strategic ambiguity, maybe not so much. And to quote you, what you're seeing is, and this is one of Grant's, one of my favorite quotes, quotes of Grant, along with cautiously pessimistic, um, <clears throat> they finally stood up on their hind legs, right? Um, and, and what they're seeing is that, you know, we're stronger when we think. That we're stronger than we think. And, and together, we're even stronger yet because the Ukrainians are doing this on their own, right? Uh, nobody would sell them weapons of any substance, although, you know, this is kind of an interesting discussion, but validating General Berger's, you know, um, ridding the Marine Corps of tanks. Now, I mean, we can argue whether getting rid of all of them was a good thing or not, but, you know, the javelin in the kind of terrain um, that exist in Ukraine in the winter, right? It's not the vast step that the Germans went across in May, June, July, and August of 1939, 1940, right? It's not that. It is roadbound, going through forest, and that is not really the place. You do not want to be in the vehicle commander's hatch of that vehicle with a bunch of people with javelin missiles. But um, your your thoughts on your comment about we're starting to see people stand up on their hind legs now and, 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 and assert themselves for the rules-based order that existed in the world and for the right of self-determination and to be an independent free nation. Yeah, I think that surprised a few people, uh, particularly the Ukrainians. It maybe shouldn't have. Um, once you keep in mind that the, you know, a lot of the Red Army in World War II was Ukrainians. And you know, I don't think the Germans... Uh, wanted to see more of them after that war ended. Uh, and so they're, they're tough customers. But one wondered if they had the organization, or the, or the, the, even the, I don't know what you call it, the, the moxie or the willpower to uh, really go out and take on the, the invaders. And it kind of looks like they did. Um, or have, you know, one has to, you have to, it's always good to wait a week and see how this all plays out. But right. Uh, I would you know suggest that the Russians uh, you know some people have said that well the Russians are and they're playing a patient game and they you know are slowly sort of applying pressure and going to you know encircle and strangle the Ukrainians but I can't believe that the Russian plan called for um, uh, what uh, videos of burning Russian tanks uh, and <laughs> I don't you know, think that not, was in the plan you know, I think that's you're yeah. on. You're on terra firma there, Grant. And yeah, I don't think they really thought of that, it, that that would be the case. I think they thought they would get Kiev really fast and the whole Ukrainian thing would come down and the Russians would just waltz in. And these Ukrainians have stood up and, you know, they're obviously they've um, faced a really big foe, but they have uh, caused some damage and it looks like they're willing to keep trying to do it. They uh, and you know they are good, tough uh, people, uh, and these you know, sometimes some good weaponry does kind of help. You know the javelin, you know the, the capability of that. I mean, you don't have to get within like 50 feet and you know and, you know launch a Panzerfaust at a, a tank. You can stand way off and you'll hit what you aim at, and uh, that is causing some trouble. It's um, you know so they've used some drones apparently, and they seem to have some air, something going on in the air as well. Uh, and have an air defense uh, scheme also, and it shows you know stingers can do a lot uh, on their own. But 
it's, uh, it has not been the rollover I think the Russians thought it would be. And I would suggest they didn't get their money's worth out of all the quizlings that they paid off. Um, the Chinese are probably taking notes about all of this as well and wondering if they're going to get their money's worth uh, from the people they bought off in Taiwan or Washington for that matter. I want, I want, to, I want to talk about the Chinese and, and, and the predicament they find themselves in as the world you know, reacts to all of this. But, but let me, I just want to ask you kind of a, a marine you know, tactical operational question. 200,000 is, let's just say for round numbers, is what the Russians uh, have. Um, a fair amount of those are logistical you know, uh, people, right? Um, they're not all trigger pullers to do what he's trying to do in a nation of what is Ukraine? I want to say 33 million people and those cities, right. Will become tombs for the Russians. I mean, that is not, uh, that is not a large force to do this, um, with. And so to me, and you can react to this, the calculus has to be, they will quit in short order. Because if they do not quit and we have to fight this, you don't have the troop to tax to do it. To go into Kiev, good God, man. We, I mean, we tried to do it with, with a division, I don't know what we ultimately put together, 40,000. You know, I don't know how many, you know, I don't know how many troops we had, but I mean, we had army, you know, uh, battalions with us. We had Marine regiments with them. You know, so again, I don't know, 20,000 or so to do uh, Fallujah, city of a quarter million people with most of them had left. But I mean, we couldn't control that city. You know, we could only control where we were. And now you're talking about, so I'd be curious about your thoughts about that. I mean, if they're, if they're being bled on the way there, I mean, God help them if they go into those cities. Um, and again, the, the specter of Stalingrad Right, which is in the re which is in the region, um, the specter of Stalingrad and, and what it was for the Germans, um, eight what eight hundred thousand troops of the Sixth Army, right, in, into captivity. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. so uh, your thoughts about all of that? I mean, it's the, the the plan had to be pinned on the fact that the Ukrainians we will smash them early and then they will quit. Oh, I think it had to be. Yeah, and I thought that I would imagine they thought within maybe 72 hours they'd have the whole thing wrapped up. Uh, as you've pointed out, you know, if, if the fight does get into a big city like Kiev, that it, you know, well, it probably wouldn't be another Stalingrad, but it could be tough enough. And you have to keep in mind that you know, the, with the propaganda battle, the political battle, the, the Russians are just getting hammered on this. You know, so... The more that if the Russians go into a city, get held up, and it turns into this carnage, that it's all going to you know going to be broadcast. This is just an absolute disaster for the Russians, uh, and Putin in particular. And you know, think you know, it's been bad enough. And can you imagine the constant videos of you know this chaos and fighting in inside a a pretty nice East European city, a big city. And this would turn even more governments, more people against the Russians, it would turn them into a pariah uh, to have this happen. And you know, even if, let's say, they were to somehow take Kiev, uh, 
and then there's and they've you know killed tens of thousands in the process this you know this fight has been broadcast live and this will cause them all sorts of trouble you know the sanctions that have been applied to date uh, have largely avoided the uh, russian oil and gas industries which is their real money maker uh, but you will find i think russia completely isolated almost the way north korea is and that, so that beyond the the operational part of it, it's that political aspect that the the Russians are really in trouble. And now, and the one prime example of this is you got actually got the Hun, you got the Germans to actually uh, announce just on the on the the other day that they're going to immediately allocate over a hundred billion dollars to defense modernization. Uh, that they're um, going to sell lethal weapons to the, give lethal weapons to the Ukrainians. Uh, and it was just a complete turnaround in uh, German policy that has steadfastly, as we've talked about to date, you know, oh refused God. to do anything Grant, at do you, all to, do you know a to great, defend itself. Do you know a bigger German hater than me? And I don't mean German people, but the German policies relative to defense, and in, in particular, Angela Merkel enabling Russia to all of us. Who, who I might add has been noticeably absent from any public comment, right? But yeah, um, he vowed. What? Uh, what is it? What's the? Is it prime minister, president of Germany? What do they call that person? Um, der Führer. No, I, I don't. Oh, hey, it don't go there. I, no, I'm don't joking. play the Führer card. It isn't, no, I think it's prime minister. Um, yeah. Scholz they, is they his have name. a president who doesn't do anything. S C H. S C H O L Z. Z proposes he vows to exceed the NATO spending goal. So I mean, you're sitting over the here, you know. And Grant <laughs> and I have talked about this. We need Japan, right, and Germany. Like we're all over World War II. Okay, so you need to get off it as well. Uh, you need to get over it and assume your role, right, in the world nations in the and and help us defend this thing. And um, and now. Right, I, I hadn't seen former Prime Minister Abe's comments about maybe we need nuclear American nuclear weapons here. Maybe uh, maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe we should do away with strategic ambiguity relative to Taiwan. And now the German thing is straight up jaw dropping. They did what? First of all, they dropped their opposition to um, the the Swift transaction thing because they're going to pay a price for it. Um, and then he comes out with a defense thing. And you're over the weekend, it's like, um, this is jaw-dropping historical stuff. And there's no other way to put it, right? Because, Grant, you and I have talked about this shit for years on this program. It, it is. You know, it's, you know, sometimes the news is boring and not much is happening. But this is, uh, this is a big deal. And you have the Swedes. You know, remember how they were sort of morally preening for forever how they were neutral and peace lovers and they're, you know, what shipped 5,000 javelins to uh, uh, the Ukrainians or something like that. Uh, and EU is going to send lethal aid, you know, these, you know, to, to Ukraine. And all of this is, it, it just suddenly happened. And, you know, I don't think that um, the Russians thought this would ever happen. I thought they thought they had bought off enough people, right. had sort of demoralized them or that they were, you know, fat and lazy or whatever. And this is a big deal. You know, if you think of it from the Russian perspective where you need to 
as we've said, you know, if you need to finish this off fast and create this fait accompli, ooh, that was, in the, as the French would say, <laughs> and, um, you know, do that, and, you know, then you've um, you got what you want. And the world is just sort of, they're cowering and whimpering in the corner, and they're not going to do anything. Uh, that you've... Um, and now it instead it, it hasn't happened and you're stuck in this place where you your tanks are blowing up you're not haven't really seized the places you need you've got the ukrainian leadership is stuck around and they're playing the the propaganda game x just very very well the ukrainians are and you have a nation that you know is kind of rising up you know is stiffening you know against you and the longer it goes on the more the rest of the world sees what kind of people you really are, well, they or they're forced to admit this is more like it. They already knew, and they are somehow they're, they're just like growing this spine in you know just record time. Uh, you don't even need time lapse photography to see it. You know, the, it's like the the West seems to have grown a spine, and the longer it goes on, the worse it is for the Russians. Um, so they could end up with at most a Pyrrhic victory where with it's cost them an awful lot more than they've obtained by taking Ukraine. And, and you see the manifestations of this out in Asia as well with the Japanese and uh, maybe a few others um, sort of seeing that, that this really is serious and that if Russia gets away with it in Europe, that the Chinese will be emboldened. So, so it is real history being made. Right. No, no let me tell you, I, I mean, it's been riveting over the, over the course of the weekend, jaw-dropping stuff. Um, and, I, and I'll tell you what, I mean, if, 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 as we have sit here and discussed, you know, um, on bended knee, right, the great free powers of the world, right, financing the demise of the free, uh, of the rules-based order in their relationship with China, um, as you watch this and you're just going, I cannot believe this is actually happening, right? That, that people are standing up and actually doing the right thing. So that brings us to the Chinese. Xi Jinping got himself in a really shitty position. The big public meeting with Vladimir Putin, you know, pre-Olympics and all that kind of shit. Um, uh, you know, as you talked about, they they will become, if the swift thing, you said this, if the swift thing happens, the Chinese will become his, you know, financial backer and facilitator. Well, you already saw the Chinese over the weekend, uh, one, be very quiet. Uh, and they have this position on sovereignty that is, is, is getting exceedingly uncomfortable for them. So uh, your thoughts on the Chinese and the predicament they find themselves in? Well, first off, I tend to ignore anything the Chinese say, because you know, they will say whatever it takes to sort of advance their interests. And they're flip-flopping all over the place. But that is a general rule. It's worth ignoring what the, the Chinese say uh, in situations like this. Um, you know, you've heard them talk about, you know, the importance of, you know, peaceful resolution. Everybody solve their problems together. You know, sovereignty this, sovereignty that. And it just ignore, I'd say ignore that. Um, but the, the Chinese really are uh, watching closely and seeing how this plays out. As if you know, Putin does sort of uh, take it on the chin here. Uh, the, Rus the Chinese are not going to want to be seen as too supportive, having been too supportive of him. 
but if somehow he were to pull it off, as I think they thought he would at the very beginning, that then they will be best friends forever. Uh, so the Chinese only interest the Chinese have is their own. And they say they will watch this closely. And uh, I have a feeling that the longer it goes on, the more concerns they may have uh, about their own uh, position in Asia, and particularly towards Taiwan, towards Japan. Uh, and they're thinking about a Taiwan uh, attack. Maybe um, I think it's being modified as we speak. That would be my uh, sense of it. You know, uh, you know it, what? I, I would say this, and this is, uh, I don't mean to overreact, but I would say this. I would say that that window is closed. What the world has learned here, close that window. And the Chinese may not believe that right now, but, you know, let me tell you, if the problem of, you know, of the Russians going into Ukraine, you know, is one, the problem of going into Taiwan is, is a vastly more complicated problem. And I think the, the world has now seen that, you know what, um, and, and again, to quote you, standing up on their hind legs and saying, no, we, we, don't, we shouldn't need to be afraid of standing up for freedom, you know, the right of self-determination. And, uh, and, you know, we can do what the Ukrainians have done. And, uh, and so I, I, my own opinion is that window is closed. There, it may take people a while to fully realize that, but I think you're going to see a more resolve relative to these situations and, you know, that, that somebody's subjugating somebody else, that we have a, a greater responsibility not. To, and again, if you look at what, you know, what has the United States done in all this? You, you've hardly seen the president of the United States. Uh, I guess we will see him tomorrow night with great fanfare. But um, what did we do? We were very selective in what we, the arms that we sold to Ukrainians um, because we did not think they were capable of this. And we offer, offered to evacuate their president. You know, and, and, and now we've, you know, yeah. we, we've cut loose, you know, what, $350 billion worth of aid, you know, well, okay, so that's great. That's a great announcement. How the fuck is that going to get in that country right now? How is that going to get in the hands of the trigger pullers? Because that's what they need, you know? And so, you know, you, you've seen the, the only thing I would say, and, and it's not, um, the president has not been very impressive throughout all of this. Um, but the one thing that has happened that I thought was Putin's actual objective was he would leverage the energy leverage he had. He would try to um, peel Germany and France from NATO, which ultimately would cleave the United States from Europe. And that was the end state that he was looking for. And um, through I don't know how much cooperation and whatnot what it has taken to keep Germany, not only in the fold, but for the Germans to authorize the selling of their arms to Ukraine, to, to provide arms to Ukraine itself, and then to say, we will exceed the NATO 2% number. Um, I, don't, I don't, I mean, I'm, the administration has to get a little bit of credit of being part of that, but that to me is the best thing that's happened. And that's not a small thing, but um, your thoughts on all of that? You know, I would I would give credit, <clears throat> and, and, and keep in mind, of course, that you have to wait some time to see how this plays out, because right. uh, you know it just could be maybe the Ukrainians fold tomorrow, uh, and you know Putin gets the whole thing and everything he wants. But uh, unless unless that happens, you know, my sense is that all of this change uh, that we've seen in the sort of the good guys sort of waking up, uh, I think it is probably the result of 
the Ukrainians, of individual Ukrainians in the Ukrainian military, uh, having had the nerve to stick around when the Russians were coming, let them pass through in some cases, and then go after them uh, from the side and the rear. And that, that you know, the, the individual you know, javelin gunners, probably the ones who are the, and they call it the, the linchpin for everything that's happened. Uh, that would be my sense, is that the Ukrainians stayed and fought and that uh, the Ukrainian president and the, and the, the leadership stuck around. Uh, I think that is what has um, upset Putin's plans. And I think the knock-on effect has been uh, the the Europeans, the Americans, uh, as well, deciding, well, you know, these, these are people that, you know, well, we're going to try to see what we can do. Uh, that, I think, is, is where I would give the, the ultimate credit is uh, sort of the Iranian javelin gunners, or excuse me, the, the Ukrainian uh, javelin gunners. I'm being a, a little simplistic, but, you know, it's, um, you know, that has something to do with it, I think, is there's this, now is a sense that these are people who are, are indeed willing to, to stand up and fight for themselves. And that has, inter has uh, had a response from uh, the people who can actually support them, and they seem to be doing that. And the, the economic and financial uh, pressure that's being applied now, in addition to the sort of the military support and the psychological support, um, that's a, a big deal. And I think you saw um, BP, the oil company, pulled out of, uh, I think, a 20%, a big project they had in Russia. Yeah, in Russia. And that's, that is a big deal. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, Grant, but it was like $25 billion or, or something like that. It was not, I mean, it was a huge sum of money. It is a big deal. You know, you know plus the, the act, just the sheer fact that they've packed it in. Uh, that is um, interesting because I don't think the Russians thought that, you know, they had good reason to think that, that a firm like BP would or would ever uh, sort of uh, leave Russia, no matter what the provocation. And here they've just done it overnight. And you have the EU close off airspace to Russian commercial aircraft or any aircraft. And I don't think they anticipated any of that. I think there was a contempt for their opponents, you know, a belief that they were just weak and uh, dithering and a bunch of losers. And that the more Russia uh, flexed its muscles, played its hand, that the more they would back down. And, you know, sort of how wrong can you be, uh, it seems. Uh, so th this is, uh, things didn't go exactly to plan. You recall the Iraqis were supposed to um, welcome the Americans in with flowers and yeah. uh, that sort of thing. You know, sometimes people do get the, they get a different reaction than they expected. Uh, and that uh, seems to be what, uh, what we've seen so far. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't have quite anticipated the, the scale of the, uh, the Western response um, to, uh, to the Russians. And the Japanese have joined in as well, uh, certainly on the, the sanctions end of it right. and the, the political support for condemning what's happened. And uh, you know, so you get the condemnations, which those are expected, but uh, it's actually standing up and doing something, which is something different. To see it happen so quickly uh, has also been... Um, noteworthy no amazing to watch all right um i'm just just so i've got people like uh is grant going to be able to join you this week because we're always interested to hear his thoughts on how these events that are moving the tectonic plates of the earth uh impact china 
And so uh, hopefully, Grant, you'll be able to join us a few times this week. And uh, so let me ask you this, knowing that I'll talk to you here maybe in 24 hours. Um, what are you most interested or to see in the next 24 hours? Russian tanks aflame. Uh, yeah, I'm not being, you know, glib here because it's you know, this is all serious business. It's easier to joke about from a distance, but the, right. the nerve that these guys have, uh, who've you know stuck around to fight, is is a is a good, it's impressive. Uh, but the longer you can hold off the Russians and bleed them, the the worse it is, and for the Russians. And the more you'll see the the aftermath of uh, so we've got the the knock-on effects elsewhere, uh, as the civilized world, the free world, gets together to stand up, uh, and do things that nobody thought they would ever do because it would harm us economically. It just couldn't happen. Well, they're doing these things, and as noted, the Chinese are taking notes and they're thinking, hmm. Well, if we go after Taiwan and it turns into maybe something like Ukraine, where it's not as quick as we thought where our quizlings are the people we've paid off are not able to deliver us, uh, you, know, the, you know, the keys to the city or whatever, that then they're starting to think, well, maybe the Americans in the West really would cut us off from convertible currency, from dollars, from technology, uh, from food and oil. And that maybe that might happen. I don't think they thought that would happen. So I think that calculations are changing. Uh, as we as we speak, and we'll you know we'll but we, you do have to let some time pass and see you know, just whether this this backbone is in fact hardened steel or you know if somehow it weakens up. But I have a feeling that uh, just the actual fact of Russia invading Ukraine uh, is not going to be forgotten uh, very quickly. Well, again, and 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 as try as hard as the Russians must be, to me what would be a fascinating thing to be able to watch in some operation center someplace are the cyber efforts that are going that are underway to try to get this video, right, that is inspiring the world shut down. That these access points that remain open uh, from Ukraine electronically, you know, Vladimir Putin is <laughs> yeah. looking at, and you, you know he must be going, looking at his little, you know, a Nintendo crew going, I, you told me you could shut this down. You've got to shut this down. This, we're, we're getting annihilated by this stuff. First of all, the bodies of our soldiers, our vehicles, and all the rest of that stuff, now they're circulating in Mother Russia. Um, and so, um, and then the next thing is, um, is this whole idea of encircling Kiev. Okay, so you've encircled Kiev. Now what? What are you going to do? You're going to go in and get it? Because let me just tell you, if you do, take a lot of body bags in there because armored forces in, in a city like that will get annihilated, okay? And so, and you don't have the ass to do it with infantry. So what, so so now what? Okay? So this whole idea of, well, they're going to encircle Kiev, okay? Come on in, boys and girls. The water's fine. So I think it's going to be very, very interesting. So... And, no, and again, no. you hear these ominous phrases, but then, you know, if you understand what that fighting entails, you say, okay, well, now what? Come on in. Bring your shit in here, man. And it's all live. It's broadcast live. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's, and, and the people who can hurt you are going to be watching this. And it, it, there's nothing good that's going to come out of it for the Russians. You, know, you will be the, the butchers of Kiev for, forever, or at least... You know, next hundred years, and 
nope, you're going to be a pariah. You'll be this really big North Korea, and with all the good living that comes of that. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, you know, it's you know, I wouldn't, I would rather be in somebody else's shoes rather than uh, Tony Soprano Putin's shoes right now. Uh, you know, if the the West plays this out right, um, as the civilized world does, that it could. Um, he might have some reason to worry, which should be my my thinking. You know what? I said the same thing. I said, if 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 this continues to play to form, and I believe it will, none of those cities, Kharkov, their mayor announced that we've retaken every piece of the city from minor Russian incursions. He announced that like last night. Um, I don't know what the findings have gone on today. But again, this whole problem of urban combat with armored forces, that's not how you do that. And if you go in there, I mean, it's 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 going to be an ass kicker. And to me, the Swiss thing financially is huge because now his rich buddies are looking at him and going, this thing's not going to end anytime soon. We continue to lose more and more of our empires. It's time for him to go, as you said. And whether somebody puts a bullet in his head or he goes into exile someplace, the longer this goes... And again, it's not going to go any better. That's I believe that. It is not going to go better. It's only going to go worse. There's slow movement in, right? And now they've encircled Kiev. Okay, now what? They've, they've encircled Kharkov. Now what? Yeah, you know, suppose it was us, you know, who had, we were on the offensive and our scheme, our plan called for a quick victory. And we got held up like this and we were, you know, losing, losing men, losing hardware. And... No, Greg, can you imagine being in an orders group on the outskirts yeah. of, say, Baghdad, and, 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 the, and the Iraqi army had fought their asses off and slowed us up, and now we get told, all right, boys, we're going we're gonna to go fight our way through Baghdad. We'd look at each other and say, what? Hey, look, if I don't see you tonight, you know, good luck, right? I mean, that's, yeah, that's the kind of shit you'd hear because, because that is that close quarters infantry fighting in cities— Right, rubbleizing shit, um, it, but it is not the purview of armored forces. In no way, shape, or form will they survive. I mean, shit, you've seen the you've seen their burned out hulks going through small, you know, mm-hmm. cities yeah. in in Ukraine. So yeah. So anyway, interesting stuff. Well, Grant, first of all, thank you for for doing this this morning. I appreciate it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, anytime. Well, and, again, uh, I, again, I mean, you've been so great over the course of years, and now, I mean, honestly, as you said truly historical times that we live in it, it's it, it i was thinking over the weekend that this is akin to being alive in you know in the 1930s when hitler did this right? if somebody had fought back when he went into sudetenland right um, and that's even more interesting right yeah, it, uh, to my way of thinking uh, yeah so and I'm, I'm full of resentments here so you can call me anytime <laughs> and I've got plenty i've got plenty of uh, bloviating but you'll well, remember no. that i you know, in all in all of the uh, wishy-washy sort of predictions I made, I did say, didn't I, about 15 days ago, maybe, that he was going to do something that shocked us. And I think I was right. But that's like a palm reader saying, you know, like, something big's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, Grant. Um, I will hopefully talk to you tomorrow. Sure. Go okay. Ahead. Anita. All okay. Right, bye. Out here. Mm. Bye-bye. Grant Newsham here via the wonders of Skype. Now, let me see if I can uh, if I can get this little event going. 
Oh, man. I think William Costantini just joined me. He's in his home because I can see. Will's got this mansion in Kansas that he lives in. And um, William, do you care to you want to talk about your mansion? Uh, it's the great Midwest. It's 14,000 square feet and it cost me $210,000. So you, that's a good deal. Yeah, no, it's actually not that. You know, um, before we start, um, I was sitting here and, uh, and I was interviewing, uh, Grant Newsham and, uh, today would be your wife's, uh, birthday no well february 29th okay listen it was a constant (laughs) argument we used to have she would say my birthday is the last day in february i would say no it's the day after february 28th she would say fine i'll take the whole week you know so i would get into that argument three out of every four years and lose miserably really the um uh, so Carrie passed away how many years ago? I mean, that's three. Uh, it seems crazy to, to that, but, uh, anyway, I saw that today, um, little reminder on Facebook and, um, um, yeah, so and, uh, for those of you who never I, had the chance to meet the dynamic, um, tornado that was Carrie Costantini, um, yeah, get sideways with Carrie and stand by and so uh no she was uh she's very passionate about uh uh what will did what her son did and you know what we all did and uh and she was not afraid to let people know about it and so uh um yeah happy birthday to carrie yeah and i'll tell you if you want people to remember your birthday be born on leap day i i think there's 40 or 50 things in her Facebook page today from friends of hers. Really? So, yeah. Nobody forgets when you're a leap day baby. The, um, I don't know where the other two menses are. I'm oh. here. Oh. There they are. Jeffrey's. Yeah, I don't, I see Je- Jeff. I don't see Tim. No, Tim said he's. Tim he, says he'll be right here. All right. So, Jeffrey, um, tell us about how your mother's birthday is going. Good. Um, uh, we got, uh, my aunt and uncle here. My brother will be here in a little bit. Um, I think we'll probably go to dinner somewhere tomorrow, wherever she wants. And uh, it's good, you know. It's like uh, it's a little house in uh, Lehigh Acres near Fort Myers in Florida. Uh, it's, uh, it's I'm actually in a room where my dad died, um, and so not that that's. I mean, he's. You know, I'm not like. <laughs> what the fuck, I'm, man? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not grieving or anything like that. You know, I mean, not anymore. But uh, he. You know he, uh, they uh, well, first they of changed all, it around a little bit. Um, so, but he's wait, yeah, wait, wait, wait. So uh, hold on, hold on, time. hold on. How long is your? When did your dad pass away? In uh, April of two thousand thirteen. April. So the room your dad. We're talking about just Carrie's birthdays today. Mm-hmm. Um, so happy birthday to Carrie, and um, yep. and then yep. now, now the passing of your dad. And so when is actually the your mom's birthday? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, she's she's the day after February twenty eighth when there's no February twenty ninth. So she has she has the same birthday as Carrie. No, hers is March first. 
What do you mean? Oh, your mom's is March 1st. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Carrie, February 29th. Um, and so you guys are going to go out for the big dinner? Yep. All right. For sure. All right. Well, behave yourself. Don't be causing... Well, I mean, you've already caused your mother enough ass pain for one lifetime. No need to... So behave yourself. All right. No drinking. Be good, not, I, Be the good son that you are. Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> uh, Tim Lynch just joined us. Tim, how are you? Doing great, Mac. How about yourself? I'm all right. I'm all right. Tim. Tim was a was a uh, a great chronicler of carries on Facebook. <laughs> oh man, yeah. You know, she put she she put up this recipe for some kind of weird ass. I forget what it was, lasagna, and she put in there sweet Jesus, which I thought meant it was going to be good. So I make it because I got nothing to do that day. And it tastes like shit. And I'm like, this is awful. What the hell? And then I read the entire post she wrote and realize that Sweet Jesus was the opposite of what I thought she was saying. But I sent her a picture of my uh, awful lasagna and said, hey, it's it's every bit as bad as you suspected. And she thought that was funnier than hell. Yeah. The um, Let me just read you a few headlines before Timmy uh, hops in and does his thing, right? Um these are things all that I've seen posted within the last 30 minutes from Helsinki, Finland. Finland will send weapons and ammunition to Ukraine. Prime Minister Sana Marin told reporters on Monday, right? Finland, right? Historic polls for the first time. The majority of Finns are in favor of NATO membership. 53% in favor, 28 against. Uh, Grant Newsham just told me that, um, Prime Minister Abe, former Prime Minister Abe of Japan, said it might not be a bad idea for for Japan to host American atomic weapons. Think about that. Holy shit. Exactly. Holy shit. He also said this whole concept of strategic ambiguity relative to Taiwan probably should be a thing of the past. Right? What the uh what we've all learned by watching right the heroic fighters in the Ukraine is we need to stand up. It needs to be unambiguous to the Chinese what will happen. And so, um, so pretty interesting stuff going on. So, uh, Timmy, let me give you the floor, and you can give us kind of an update. And then, Jeff, we'll talk about some operations stuff, and then we'll go from there. Yes, yes. No appreciable difference from yesterday's update other than to note that on Monday, today, which is, uh, of course, they're a little bit ahead of us, they opened up those talks in uh, Gomel, Belarus, between uh, Ukraine and Russia, I have no idea how that's going to go or what the agenda is. But outside of that, you've still got uh, just a constant flood of weapons and people into the country. And it continues to be, um, it looks to me, be a very significant stalemate uh, on the ground. But I'll let Jeff address that. On the on the outside of the of the, of the conflict, the, everybody's sanctioned as hard as they're going to, as hard as they can. And I, and I, and like I said, it's just, there's just continues to be a, a gigantic tsunami of support behind the Ukrainians. The uh, one thing I saw in Russia was Russia will prohibit financial transactions that send currency out of the nation uh, in the next 12 hours. Mm. So no currency will be allowed uh, outside uh, be, to be sent to foreign accounts beginning March 1st. So, th again, the, the thing I saw about an hour ago said that will happen in five in five hours. 
Um, yeah. So that going on. Jeff, um, uh, to me, have you seen anything relative to everything I've seen re- relative to the talks they held in Gamel said they ended for the day and nothing substantial came out of that other than they will meet again? Right. That, that's well, that's exactly what I'm hearing. And I, and I, they're doing a good job of not blabbing and, and, and leaking stuff. Got to got to respect that, too. It's refreshing to see governments behaving like adults. Got it. Jeff, you were going to say something? Well, uh, there's like conflicting reports. It's like they're saying that uh, the Russians either have captured three cities, but uh, they're kind of ambiguous about that, what I got so far. But they actually cut off two cities in the northeast, uh, Sumy and Kanotop in the northeast of Ukraine. And also, um, if you're watching the news, they show show a a clip that's been over and over of a fire for effect, it looked like on a piece of terrain uh, in a built-up area in, uh, in um, um, uh, God damn it, uh, Kharkiv. And, uh, and that was going on while these guys were talking. And, uh, and that, was cluster, yeah. that was cluster munitions, right? Yeah, it looked like, yeah, it looked like some kind of fire for effect. Right. You know, spread out over about 300, as if somebody was shooting at, like, trenches they thought might be, in front of the uh, yeah, apartment it, building. It, it, yeah, it looked like they were, the fire for effect went into like a public park or something. It was a clearing in an urban area. The uh, You know, yeah. it's interesting. You know, all these names that you're hearing, right? Gamel, Conatop, right? Kharkov. I mean, these are all the names of the Eastern Front. So if you if you read about the Eastern Front and you read about Heinz Guderian on it, you know, and all these, the, the fighting on the Eastern Front, which if you've never read about it, do yourself a favor. You, you, you want to read about big war? The Germans and the Russians getting it on, you know, across this vast Russian space. Uh, but these are all the cities that, that impacted. So, Jeff, um, you go ahead and, and, and do your, your operational thing. And then I want to, I wanna, the first t- subject I want to tee up for everybody is, so you've encircled my city. Now what? Okay. All right. Right. So I, I want to get to that. But, Jeff, go ahead and you can, and, and you can do your operational update. Well, I got cut off uh, for about two minutes there. But uh, the, uh, um, it, it seems like uh, when you talk about, but, you know, you were, when I got cut off, we were talking about all the names that were reminiscent of all the World War II uh, studies we did. And uh, there's one, if you look at the river that runs east to west in the northern part of Ukraine, it's the Pripet River. And uh, so what I've been looking for is, uh, is uh, like, updates on the actual geographic area of Pripet, the Pripet Marshes. I don't know if you guys remember. It was a no-go area. Oh fuck yeah, man! If you once you yeah, once, you once you threw that on your map, you saw where the fighting had to take place because you couldn't go through the Pripet right marshes. Pripet marshes, yeah. It was like, and what the Russians did that they they, uh, they really they put booby traps in there. They had like all kind of fiendish devices, as we used to call them. I would say, and uh, you know, uh, and trying to. So I'm wondering if they're, you know, if that has any play in it yet, but. Uh, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know. The other thing, you, what you get on open source news is a lot of, you know, heartwarming stories, you know what I mean, or, or, or uh, human interest stories that don't really have that much information in them, you know, like right. this former actress, this former boxer, you know, uh, is, uh, you know, which is good, but it, it, it keeps me, it keeps you from getting real info about 
you know, what kind of ground are they making? You know, what, what kind of uh, progress? What I heard is three extra cities in the southern, uh, south of Kiev that were, were taken. This ta- but again, taken or surrounded? They're saying, what I heard was taken. Got it. But uh, the Ukrainians are saying, you know, there's a lot of also, they're, both of them got the propaganda. Everybody just went away. I'm not sure what happened. So stand by. Terrorist attack by Chechens on Russians. And, uh, you know, they're... uh, so there's a lot of that, but it's hard to really. It seems like they're they're not really making too much progress. One thing though is they got uh, all the. Uh, hold, hold on, the, I, I I dropped off there for a second. Um, so right. your thought was it's hard to obviously make heads or tails in open source more human interest um, than anything yeah. else. But the bottom line is, uh, what Jeff progress slower than anticipated. Yeah. In in, yeah. in, in, in the fact that you've and you can comment. The fact that you've encircled it, okay, now what? What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. You got to, if they're not going to, it takes more to assault something than it does to encircle it. And, uh, you know, it's going to cost more to assault something than encircle it. Also, the thing that we covered yesterday, I talked about it, Will talked about it, the, uh, the, uh, the axis of advance and the, and the uh, supply, you know, the logistic support that that takes. So they got all these uh, huge trucks double parked on all the east-west uh, routes going into Ukraine. And uh, I think they're just unscrewing themselves now. It looks pretty clear right now that uh, Putin was going to try and just bogart, just try and intimidate um, the Ukrainians with about a quarter of a million guys, about 250,000 guys. And he didn't really pay too much attention to the logistics. They thought they are just going to you know, fold. And when they didn't, now they're starting to try and unpack all that stuff and get it to places it needs to be. Got it, got it. So let's talk about that. Um, I've surrounded, um, uh, what, are this, what is the term they've used? Encircled. I've encircled Kiev or Kharkiv, okay? That's a big headline, right? Kharkiv now encircled. Right. So now what? Okay. Your, your, each one of your thoughts on that. You've encircled the city right who's in the stronger position the people in the city defending it or the encircler in their armored vehicles all right well like okay let me just go with just look at the second world war the big most famous encirclement uh in uh, in the second world war was when the the nazis encircled leningrad now known as st petersburg and uh that lasted 900 days and they and million i mean hundreds of thousands of russians starved to death. They're eating each other. But they hung in there because Germans did not have enough ass to actually take the place. They this thing started before Stalingrad and it went on way after Stalingrad. And uh and, and again Jeff the drain Jeff, on that. Yeah, Jeff, talk about the assessment because the assessment was what? We don't have the ass to go do this. The only right. way to do this is to starve them out. And that's what we'll do. Yeah. And and uh they misjudged I mean, the, the Leningrad people ended up there eating themselves, each other. 
yeah. you know, and uh, it went in, in some horrible, you know, circumstances. But uh, yeah, that's that, that's one. Another one, of course, the famous uh, 101st Airborne in uh, in Bastogne during the Battle of Bold. And again, I mean, the Nazis had mostly armor around those guys. Without you know the, the infantry that would be needed to take it, especially against a unit like the eighty or the one hundred first, so ended up uh, and that and if you ever been to that battlefield, you know the, the actual, you know the Ardennes, you see that uh, the main hub of communications, one of them, is Bastogne. You go up there, there's a huge war memorial in Bastogne. It's like a big compass bezel ring, right. uh, and you climb up on it, and you can see you know it'll be like uh, points of the compass where things have happened. And they'll have a little, you know, it's very uh, well done, you know. And uh, and so you see that uh, just because you got somebody in circle does not necessarily mean they're beaten. If they decide that they're going to hang in there, it's an exhausting thing, especially in bad weather, which is it's dead of winter in there now. It seems like looking at the films that they're not, it's not like, uh, you know, like Chosen Reservoir type weather, you know, but it's, uh doesn't look comfortable. It doesn't seem like it's too prohibitive yet, you know what I mean? Got it. Got it. Um, Will, your thoughts on your former armored uh, unit commander um, investing a city with armored forces? Um, who's in a position of advantage? Yeah, so it really becomes the contest of wills. And, um, you know, as Jeff said, the, the idea that uh, Leningrad held out for almost three years. So how long can Putin sustain against uh, the propaganda machine that would be coming out of there? Because, right, CNN's will be, every international broadcast company will be in there, and you're going to be seeing heart-rending stories of former um, Ukrainian beauty queens reduced to eating the rats in the street. And so um, uh, the, the, I, I think what we saw over the weekend was some idea that Putin's plan was if I encircle, then they will flee. We decapitate it. We don't have to do the heavy fighting. We don't have to do the material destruction uh, to win uh, this thing. And that's probably why you know, I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, didn't believe they were going to do anything because who's going to go in there and do the heavy fighting to take this place out? And then what do you get? So, um, yeah, I, I, encircling these things just extends it out. And it appears that the original Russian plan was to be, you know, coup de main short, quick, right to the heart. So encircling it seems to be going against their operational plan. Uh, but who knows? Tim, your thoughts? Yeah, the um, encircling the city is, is kind of a, a, a useless metric because even if he takes this city, he's gained essentially nothing given the, uh, the amount of resistance he's facing. The only objective that makes any sense, in my, in my opinion, for the, for the Russians is to try to destroy the Ukrainian army. The Ukrainian army is now an army in being, sort of like how the German battleships kept the uh, the, the attention of the Royal Navy for the entirety of World War II 
because they couldn't risk those things coming out of the fjords and ram and and and, and rampaging across the uh, the Atlantic. So, just as 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 those battleships represented something that was that was forced to be taken into consideration in a diversion of assets, that army, the Ukrainian army, represents as long as it's an army in being that's fighting, that's the gravest threat to the Russians, and that's got to be what the Russians have to focus on destroying because who gives a shit if they take the cities they're not going to be able to take those cities as 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 we will know because as you rubble those things and start advancing into them given the level of popular uh, uh support for for keeping uh, the ukrainian ukrainian at, at that point battlefield prowess individual combat skills become rather 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 moot it doesn't take a trained sniper to start drilling guys from 200 meters away. That just takes somebody that can press the trigger to the back without interrupting his side alignment. And plenty of people can figure out how to do that as they can, how to throw grenades, how to throw Molotov cocktails, et cetera, et cetera. So that will be a meat grinder for which he will achieve nothing, even if successful. Because if he is successful, he's killed a bajillion people being successful, and that in and of itself makes him unsuccessful. Right. No, he's screwed. Yeah. So, you know, so being, yeah, being in circling the cities is a meaningless metric. As yeah. long as that army's in, is as long as that army is fighting as a cohesive unit, they, my friends, are in a pickle. I you know, but uh, you know, he he, uh, 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 I'm sorry, um, uh, Putin's history is, uh, he's actually, uh, am I off? No. He's actually, he's in in Grozny in uh, Georgia, I think. He he uh, he rubbled Grozny. Grozny ceased to exist, but on the other hand, that was while we were still engaged in Iraq and Afghanistan, and uh, the the protest against what Putin was doing there, and then in, also in Chechnya, was not as vociferous by any means as this one is. No, it, it did not, and, and have, that is a it factor. Did, yeah, no, Jeff, that's a great point. It did not have the world's attention. That's for sure. Right. And and yeah. th- th- this has the. I would tell you if 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 you've encircled a city. And you could look this up historically. It doesn't go very well, right? <laughs> it does not. It becomes this millstone around your neck. And so, to me, the biggest shock, right, is like, oh, you know, they're they're going to encircle the city. Once you get over that, right? Once you get over that, like, okay, they've encircled the city. We're gonna be we're gonna be functioning here, right? Life's gonna get difficult. But we are going to annihilate them. And, and really, it is the story of the German invasion of Russia. Because, you know, Russia initially overwhelmed. What did they, where did they go? They went into the forest, right? They, they started hunting the Germans, right? In the cities, they never surrendered to them, right? They never surrendered. I mean, the Ukrainians welcomed the Germans and started getting slaughtered. And then they started fighting back. You know, so to me, this is their history of, you know, siege in, in World War II, you know, Stalingrad. Leningrad, St. Petersburg, right? And so you see this again happening now again, and it's like, hey, bring your tanks in here, man. We dare you to. Because, again, we talked about this yesterday. They don't have the ass to do it dismounted. You know? They don't. And so uh, when you look at this problem tactically, um, again, if we, if we were doing this, and we were all part of whatever division that has encircled um, Kiev, and we meet as battalion commanders, right? When we leave the orders group in the morning, what do we say? Hey, if I see you tomorrow, Timmy, 
right? Yeah. It'll be a good yeah. thing. If not, good yeah. luck, right? No shit. I hope you That's die. Exactly I hope right. you die. A, I hope you die a swift death. Um, but I mean that. I mean because that is the grim task. If you're going to go inside these cities in armors, I mean you've already seen them. You know, you know the videos of Russian vehicles going through small towns getting smoked. Yeah. Uh, and so, so that part's been very interesting. Um, one of the last things I said before we got off the air yesterday was I was very interested to see if the Swiss would follow through. And they made an announcement today that they were they they were going to. And I, I told that to Grant, and Grant said, well, I would be, you know, now they followed through with the announcement, will they actually do it? Right. He right. said, that's the, that's the next piece. And, uh, but, I mean, it's, that is an unprecedented move in Swiss history that they have thrown in on a side and, and uh, are not, uh, are not you know, playing the, the, the whole neutrality card. Um, I, I said this. We could th- talk about what the Japanese said. That would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Grant Grant told me that Prime Minister Abe said it probably would not be a bad thing if the Japanese hosted American nuclear weapons. And the second thing he told me was that Abe also said this whole concept of strategic ambiguity relative to Taiwan needs to go away. The Chinese need to know that we will defend Taiwan. And so, I mean, again, things that, along with Germany, that you're like, we need yeah. them to do this, but they have not been wanting to go there. You're watching this on this set of historical days going, the Japanese are talking about hosting nuclear weapons? Are you shitting me? I think that I got a bomb landed on my house, and I'm dead, and I'm in heaven right now watching yeah, all this shit. Think about this, though, Mac. You know, we shit on Germany yesterday for basically selling their soul to the Russians with the energy industry. So... Let's just say this in Ukraine never happened, but the Chinese went into Taiwan. Yeah. Be what are we going to do? Okay. Um, how are we going to resupply them with anything? Yeah. Can't really get that. That's a, that's a great power conflict. Item two, uh, are we going to sanction the Chinese? So that means that half of the S&P 500, half of those companies go bankrupt are we going to just cancel the two or three trillion in u.s debt that they hold so we become germany are we gonna i'm just we have we have are we gonna not produce drugs anymore because all the precursors come from china we have done to china what germany did to russia we absolutely sold our soul to it and again what, set, what actions that we think are going to be effective against Russians, the sanctions, the SWIFT, et cetera, do we think would be effective with China? Well, it might be that in the, in the halls of the China, the China Pentagon right now, they're saying to the president, hey, good move, genius. You managed to unite the whole world against both of us now, us and Russia, with this uh, you know, encouraging uh, Yelst or uh, you know, Putin to go into Ukraine because first thing that happened is he galvanized the EU and NATO. They're all talking about, yeah, we want to, we want Ukraine in the, in NATO now. Which and is, then this thing, which from, is, and this thing, which, Abby is, said, which has been impossible. Yeah. Which has yeah, been right. impossible to do, right? You can, nobody the same can thing do with it. The, Jap- and the same thing like Will, well, Will brought up Abe and Abe's saying, he's saying stuff. He no Japanese guy has said for decades. You know what I mean? 
um, hey, you know, yeah, we should probably get some American nukes in here. <laughs> and and we got to rethink this whole ambiguity thing. To me, that's like Chinese are like, oh, my God. We have to kill everybody? We have to starve everybody? Or what? What if they just refuse? You know, it's like uh, basically what's happened is everybody's like, uh, I don't know how – how real it is, you know, or how uh, how lasting it is, but it, it's dramatic shift in world attitudes and uh, about uh, about those two big powers, about China and the lesser power of uh, of Russia. And in terms Again, of resupply, though, I'm Will? talking uh, no I'm American talking to you American on an impact. iPad, right? Yeah, I'm talking to you on an iPad, right. holding my iPhone. Mm-hmm. How many Americans are willing to give this up? Well, what will happen is uh, we'll have to we'll have to give it up for a while while we replace it with our own. I mean, we're the ones who invented all this crap. I, I, I get it, Jeff. You know? But you're talking. Why can't it be produced? Why can't it be produced in Vietnam or the Philippines? And why? And again, in the aftermath of this is is what you're going to. You're exactly right. So in terms of you know resupply, there will be no resupply. All right. So you have to strate- strategically stockpile all that stuff for a year's worth of fighting in, in, in Taiwan, okay? In terms of there has to be, again, an, an overture to the Pacific nations, to, and, and it has to be incentivized by the nation that says Apple, right? Um, go buy it from Samsung. Is Samsung producing their stuff in Korea or in China? Do you know? No, I know. I don't know that any supply chain doesn't touch China somewhere. Got it. Okay, and so that has to be a national security priority for the nation. Yeah, but wasn't wasn't it wasn't it a national security priority for the nation two years ago when no. all of our precursor drugs were made coming out of China? No, no. there were plenty of people talking about. No, that. it's just idiots like us that talk about that shit. But it's not really real. I mean, because no, it's not like you know the. the the Chinese aren't going to invade Taiwan, right? All this boogeyman bullshit that you idiots <laughs> fucking run all the time and you talk shit about, you know, of course Russia's a part of Europe. Of course Angela Merkel's right. Of course these, these, yeah. um, these, these pipelines are going to contribute to peace and stability by bringing the Russians more in to Europe. And that's what we need. This whole idea of conflict is passe. It will never happen again. Yeah. Well, it, obviously, it is something. And, obviously. and just the task, though, think about it. The task is, is incalculable. Uh, Right. The, the, the diversion of wealth away from China and almost abandonment of tremendous capital assets to start somewhere else is uh, and that's not something that goes top down. Uh, right. The U.S. government can't impose that. Uh, and it's a it's a it took us 20, 20 odd years to get here with the Chinese. Yeah. Take you twenty odd years to dig out of that. Maybe not. So. Maybe not. But uh, it seems like there's no choice. And that's the point, really. Is is the whole you know Jeffrey says a lot changed. of stuff, but what he just said was very profound. It seems. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. It seems like there's no choice. You could strike the word "seems" out of that. There is yeah. no choice because not, it, it, everything's different. I'm telling now. you, not to the CEO of Apple. I agree. Yeah. The CEO of Google. 
that little group of all uh, of those people they fundamentally disagree with that analysis they're yeah, not they scared of the chinese oh well they don't even see countries they think the whole thing Precisely. about that is stupid and uh and uh, they're really not too much different than rockefeller and jp morgan and those guys back then well yeah uh, and they're and they're about as popular if not less yeah. popular right now yeah. What if they keep on insisting on, no, 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 we're going to continue to business as usual with China that we know is against our interest as a people, they're going to get even less popular than they are Tim, now. And that's hard to believe. Popular with? I, I, I know they're not unpopular I mean, with Apple the stock is uh, that company is a three trillion dollar company now. They're pretty popular. Yeah, I was referring to the people running the damn thing. I guess yeah, but, I guess but, being unpopular doesn't mean anything to them because they're completely isolated from the citizens. So who cares? Yeah, they've they've never had a person disagree with them in the last fifteen. Years. Yeah, but see, people connect that stuff to uh, like uh, the Apple and all this to social media and, and you know basically interfering with the uh, with the uh, First Amendment and so forth. You know, there's a lot of resentment about that. You marry that up. With the idea that uh, you know the Chinese and the Russians are, hey, if uh, what, what basically what Russia is saying, if requiring doesn't work, we will compel. And uh, it seems like most of the world doesn't like the idea of somebody being able to compel another another nation just because the, the guy there is impatient, you know. And and if uh, in China, you know, it seems like that their main uh, their main goal in all this stuff or goal or you know their own their main interest in it is uh, what's going to happen in Ukraine as a guide to what they can or cannot do in regards to Taiwan and some other places. And, you know, the thing about the Chinese, they're, they're killing people at the rapid rate. You know I mean? It, concentration camps, all that stuff. But and, again, you know, got, as you said earlier, the, the world, you know, the world doesn't care until it cares, yeah. right? Until something like yeah. this happens. Let me just read you this. Samsung is the biggest smartphone vendor on the planet. Data from multiple industry trackers showed the company shipped nearly 300 million units last year. This article written on 1 February of this year. As you can probably imagine, a vast manufacturing network is required to pump out over a quarter of a billion devices every year. The company has factories in several countries across the globe. However, it doesn't really make a difference what country Samsung phones are made in. Samsung maintains a single quality standard across all of its factories. You'd think China would be where most of Samsung's Galaxy phones are made. China is the global manufacturing hub, after all. It's also where Apple gets the bulk of its iPhones manufactured, not to mention the fact that the Chinese OEMs have come to dominate the smartphone market. Samsung actually shut down its last remaining smartphone factory in China this year. As of 2019, the company is not making any phones in the People's Republic. It previously had two factories in China, but as Samsung's market share fell below 1% in the country, it had to scale back production. It no longer makes financial sense for Samsung to manufacture phones in China, which is why it has now stopped doing that. Vietnam is actually where Samsung phones are made. Most of the, anyway, Samsung's manufacturing facility in Vietnam is located in Thai Nguyen province. So, so it is possible, William. And I want you no, to, no. Po- I want you to, pol- I want you to apologize Those to me and I want you to do well, it Mac, now. Mac, think. Those are not manufacturing plants. Those are assembly no. plants. They're not manufacturing chips. They're not manufacturing components. 
They are assembling components. No, factory. It's like U.S. auto it says, it's, They use the word factory, not assembly site, Will. Those are assembly. Are they manufacturing chips in those places? Absolutely not. And none yeah. of the other components. So, yeah, one, lenses, so, one, okay, so one component of the phone manufactured someplace else, right? Right. Wrong. They are assembling those Apologize those phones. right now. No, so, hey. You're, hey, I, you're hey, I got... of mod. They would call plants in the United States car manufacturing plants. Those car plants don't manufacture anything. They I, I, assemble I understand. parts. I have to do more investigating. I'm not sure. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so so I, the, the I, next I question something. is: the next question is, how much of the phone, if it is assembled in in Vietnam, because this is what Jeff's talking about. I mean, exactly the, the strategic threat to the United States. And and I'll tell you what: you if you thought Germany was fucked, right? As will as well as will not so articulately but thoroughly described our relationship with the Chinese. We're way more fucked. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. In general terms, Will's, Will's question, I mean, he's, he's posturing this. He's saying this. Uh, we are so um, bribed and, and, uh, and co-opted by the luxury items that we receive from these people that we won't have the will to give them up in order to, uh, in order to keep them from doing what we consider to be immoral things. And really, that's the question. They have, they have diligently since the since the Clinton administration worked to get to to put themselves in a position where we consider them to be indispensable. And and to that and to that end, we do their bidding. I mean, we got everybody from basketball players to actors to you know to business people like Will is just saying who are doing exactly what the Chinese tell them to do. And the reason is because they've been uh, they've been corrupted. So the next you know, question is, will we do, what do we do with people being corrupted? We tell them, you know, you can come to the light and all be forgiven. Or are we or, or do we I mean, or do we just deal with it? Or we just say we're now going to be slaves of the Chinese forever. And we'll digest right? and we'll digest this thing just like we digested mm. the failed shooting. Right. Of what about 43 members of Congress one day? Because we can't yeah. do the nation's business anymore, and this thing's, and but we digested that. Then was on to the next fucking shitty event after that. So will we? Di- the question is, will the United States digest the invasion of Ukraine and continue its whorish relationship with fucking China? But but when you describe that whorish relationship. It's it's like expecting that 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 when uh, uh when um, De Gaulle took over France, he was actually going to punish all the collaborators because that was all the upper society. No, they didn't. They shaved the head of a few low class women and ran them out of town and said they were done with uh with punishing collaborators because if he punished the ones that collaborated, he wouldn't have a country left. If you try to root out the people who had been bought and sold by China, right off the top of your head. Feinstein, 10 years, has a Chinese spy as her manservant. 10 fucking years. What What's happened because of that? No, but to me, to me here's, I mean, what, here's what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the strategic interests of the nation and how do, you, how do you point them in a different direction, right? Right, no, I And, I, and, I, and, I and the, the personal stuff aside, the, 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 the strategic direction of the nation and our financial interests in China, I mean, now, I mean— Again, if you can watch this, 
and not, you know, come to that conclusion that, that we have got yeah. to take a look at that because we are as, we are way more compromised than Germany was. Oh, so, but we're not going to gut our, our, our government and gut our, our financial institutions and universities punishing those who are complicit because it's just we're too not talking, goddamn We're not talking about that. We're talking about pointing. We're not having talking about having a purge. We're talking about trying to point the nation in a different direction economically so that strategically we are not welded to a dictatorship. That was a conversation two years ago, and we didn't seem to do it too well. No. That was exactly what we were talking about two years ago, vis-a-vis the fact that all of the precursors for our pharmaceuticals come out of China. And if the oh. ones that are made in India still come out of China. That was a discussion two years ago that has gotten exactly nowhere. I know, but probably again. Probably because of the density of Chinese collaborators within every mechanism of power in our government. And this was n- and this was never going to happen. You fools that talk about this kind of shit, yeah. you know, are over the top. Nobody believes you. I mean, you're just you're just jackasses entertaining yourself. Until and now, it's all un- changed. Un- un- now it's all changed. Now it's all changed because of Ukraine. Until you're not, right? Until you're not, Jeffrey. Well, I mean, we had a guy who uh, tried to make us energy independent. He tried to salvage American jobs, you know, in manufacturing, and. Uh, he was doing pretty. He tried to secure the border. We wouldn't have drugs and murderers and you know uh, human track first going. And he, he was doing pretty good. And people seemed to like it. And and no individual in modern history has been so ganged up on by different elements in our society, not just political, but uh, entertainment, financial. Uh, you know the uh, the uh, uh, the academia. And, and what's happened in doing that? They expose themselves as the corrupt, you know, entities that they are. I mean, let's face it: a degree from Harvard. I mean, this idiot Joy Reid, who's on MSNBC, I mean, you see her once in a while. She's a moron, yet she got into Harvard. So I mean, so all that, all that stuff, all these things that we ought, used to think really meant something, really don't mean that much anymore. Any, everybody can be bought or bogarted into something because they're afraid of being called a racist or a homophobe or whatever name you want to slap on there. And so consequently, all our institutions have been, uh, have been degraded by this. And, and yet there's more people now who are looking at it that way than certainly five years ago. Hey, let me just ask you this. Do you remember a couple months ago when I said, right, it might be the invasion of Ukraine might be a good thing for the country. And Jeff got pissed at me, right? What kind of asshole says something like that, right? Yeah. And, yeah, but, well, I, but, but no, and I understand your, I, I understood your sentiment, right? This is um, dead, the dead women and kids. No, 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 and I understand that. But you're watching this at the macro level and you're constantly asking the question, what is it going to take for us to get our heads out of our ass? You know, our asses. Oh, that's, a, that's a good point. Before... That, that, but before we're in the situation that will, you know, not so articulately, but thoroughly described. Okay. Um, You're right. And, you know, it's, it's exactly, we always are saying, all four of us have said in one way or another, at one time or another, what we need to do to get our military back to, up to snuff is to get our ass kicked. And, uh, and this is kind of a version of that, you know, a shocking event that exposes, you know, the, uh, the fallacy and a lot of our beliefs and our activities. Well, and also, 
you know, the inspiring example of the Ukrainian military yeah. and their people, and that, that we should be so courageous. And, 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 and Grant uses this phrase, um, standing up on your hind legs, which, which, you know, Donald Trump did relative to the Chinese, was the first president. You know, Barack Obama didn't do it. You know, George Bush didn't do it. Bill Clinton didn't do it. I mean, it was all this bullshit narrative of the more, the more we bring them into, you know, the Western world, the, you know, the more civilized and socialized they will become. It was all fucking bullshit, right? And Donald Trump's the first person ever to push back on that narrative. And so you, 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 you're watching this and saying, what is it going to take, you know, what is it going to take for the world, you know, to wake up to this? And, and I'll, I will tell you this. I mean, think about this. And again, when Grant, you know, started talking about former Prime Minister Abe's comments, that's why it's like, am I dead? Because yeah. because this cannot be, is this happening on Earth as I walk it? Because all of a sudden, in the space of a week, this thing is flipped upside down, on certainly on Russia. When the dust settles on this, and there is some negotiated event, and the Russian forces pull back, right? Ukraine become part of NATO? Finland become part of NATO? All these, all these nations now become part of NATO? And Russia marginalized and weaker? And then what does that mean for the Pacific relative to, to China? And you're sitting here going, I've got to fucking pinch myself, right? Because I can't believe this shit's actually happening. And, and now can we stand up and lead and, 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 and champion some sort of economic effort along the lines of what Will's talking about, so that we can get our nation back. And well, that's very interesting. So what would you do if you were China, Mac? Because I, mean, I everything you're saying makes a lot of sense. How would you, you're in what we consider be the bad guy, how would you, what would your reaction be? What would, what would be your actions now? If I'm Xi and I'm worried about this whole thing and I'm watching this and I'm being sucked into that vortex... I've got to get myself away from him. I've got to put Putin on notice. Hey, look, I cannot stand with you, right? My guys, my military guys are watching this shit. They know the Ukrainians will not surrender. And right. they know that this is going to continue to look bad. And if you expect me to be your benefactor, you're fucking crazy. I've so changed. They, go back, they go back to the deception mode. Yes. Right, is what you're saying, yeah. And that's what Grant so said. Grant, Grant said we'll, they will say yeah. anything. They're like, they're like the um, Islamic fighters that we fought. Yeah. They will. We are the infidel. They can right. say so anything, can anything to you. And he said, that's what the Chinese will do. They yeah. will say yeah, anything to further their own cause. But he's going to have to, right. to to tell Putin, I cannot be China will not be a part of this. We cannot be linked to you for our own for our own interest. At least that's my yeah. take. Anyway. I think I think the Arabs call that Takia. But Will would know better because he speaks will? Arabic. But uh, they call it Takia. The idea of you can to lie to infidels and do anything you want to infidels. Okay. Do you speak Arabic, but, Will? That sounded Russian to me. No, that's that's Arabic. You, I caught... you are quite the international <laughs> traveler, aren't you? Uh, yes. I'm, I'm going to Germany next week. Remember, end of the holiday, shout to Zeebus. Shut up, shut up. I don't know anything. I, I don't want to tell them to go in the fucking seventh door. And don't yes. forget, when you go to Berlin yes. and you're drinking beer on the Unter dem Plazen, the toast of the day is 
l'chaim. Thank you. I appreciate it. Same, same as it is in Jerusalem. But, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, but so, Will, I mean, you were going, I mean, it's very scary, actually. You're saying about all the, uh, you know, the, the, the companies that China controls and everything and how all these guys are, you know, basically, you don't, Will is pessimistic about their willingness to, to go without being the, you know, Chinese stooges, you know, all the stuff that they'll have to live without. So well, what do you think? It's simply that you, you think about it. Um, there are very, very few uh, international or, or, or large companies that are independent of China. Right. And, and Jeff, you said luxury goods, yeah. but it's, it's more but than also that. necessities, also necessities. Yeah. And so if let's just say Ukraine never happened, but instead it was China into Taiwan, right? So the stock market was down about two and a half percent, three percent last week, and it bumped up and down and around. And the war, this thing with Ukraine has really had no impact on it. The stock market would be down 50 percent. And people say, well, what do I give a shit about it? Well, how many people have got an IRA? You know, oh, yeah. we're, you're invested in it. And the second thing is, I don't know how much U.S. debt the Russians hold, probably not a lot. The Chinese hold three, two and a half, three trillion dollars in U.S. debt. Um, you know, the 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 financial underpinning of the United States is just so tied uh, to China and well, how much of a big deal is that? Well, it's a big fucking deal. Yeah, we, we prove it. it when the financial world gets upside down, everything goes bad. People's health outcomes. You know, how do you plan to have a normal life where you buy a house and send your kids to college and retire to fucking Fort Myer, Florida, right? Um, and how do we disentangle from China without blowing ourselves up? You know, no one person planned how to get us to where we are. Right. No one person can plan to get us out of this. It it will take a certain consensus, but that consensus is really fighting uphill. Um, how much, how much of a degradation of return on your investment are you willing to take over the next twenty years? for the U.S. to return to some manufacturing prowess, even if it can. So well, you know, that it's always, a daunting task. I mean, it always intrigued me about, I remember watching the movie Casino, right? And uh, they're talking about these Chinese whales, you know, whales like big gamblers coming in. Like, are these from communist China? <laughs> are they from, you know what I'm saying? Remember, right. this is in like the early 80s, mid 80s and stuff, you know? And I'm like, where are these guys coming from? I thought China's like Mao, Cultural Revolution. Apparently, after Mao, they have a new, and and there are Chinese millionaires who got gazillions of dollars, you know, who are coming in and out of the United States. And sometimes I guess they piss off the Chinese Politburo, or that's what they call it. But uh, and these guys disappear for a while. Like what was that guy's name? Um, oh, I can't remember. But uh, just recently, the guy disappeared Jack, for like a Jack year. Jack Mao. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Jack Ma. So, yeah. Ma Mao, um, Mao's a different dude. Yeah. Jack Ma. 
Yeah, Ma. Thank, that's thank, it. It was Ma. You, you missed my proper Chinese pronunciation. No, I think you still had your Arabic going. Sprechenzi Deutsche Room 7? Majnun. Yes. Boister Bonhoff. You're going to Germany, man. You got yeah. Boister Bonhoff. I've got a uh, here's an email question. Um, Mac. Interested in the Mensa brothers compare and contrast between General Kellogg's assessment, Russians are on their heels, uh, versus Colonel Doug McGregor, Ukrainians should give up. Yes. Did you yeah, did you guys see both of those? And yes. What would you, uh, William? You're shaking your head in dis in utter disgust. If I read your, I didn't see any of it because I don't watch the fucking news, and I don't know what those two jackasses know. Right. Well, and they're both smart guys, but what are their sources? Yes. It, it pains me when these guys get on TV. Uh, and talk that way uh, as if they've got some singular insight. And maybe they're just smarter than me. But uh, anyone who's watching TV news, you are being propagandized, pure and simple. Yeah. You see an image, and it drives the narrative. And now we've got people out there driving the narrative. Why would anyone tell the Ukrainians to give up? Yeah, crazy. Insanity. Yeah, I, I, that's infuriating to me. And that guy McGregor usually is pretty, um, you know, the, he always errs on the side of uh, redoomed. Hate to say that, Will, but you know, he's always, you know, it's uh, there's no hope. That's a, you know, you know, there and, is uh, no hope. And uh, you know, and so <laughs> hope is a thing with feathers, according to Woody Allen. But, uh, let me let me read. Here's a quote. He he went on, I guess, last night with Trey Gowdy, who I I yeah. I like Trey Gowdy. Um, why do you think Putin is doing this? What is his end game? is the question. Right. Mag McGregor, well, Vladimir Putin is carrying through on something that he has been warning us about for at least 15 years, which is he will not tolerate U.S. forces or missiles on his border, much as we would not tolerate Russian missiles or troops in Cuba. And we ignored him, and he finally acted. He was not going to allow Ukraine under any circumstances to join NATO. What is happening now is the battle for eastern Ukraine is really almost over. All the Ukrainian troops have largely been surrounded or cut off. You have concentrations down in the southeast of 30 to 40,000 of them. And if they don't surrender within 24 hours, I suspect the Russians will ultimately annihilate them. That's why Zelensky is meeting with Putin's representative right now. The game is over, and he's going to have to negotiate the best deal he can get. And we've already told him, the President of the United States has said, if he opts for neutrality for Ukraine, we will back him. And I think Vladimir Putin will do that for Western Ukraine. This is Ukraine beyond the Dnieper River. But mm -hmm. behind, right. it, behind it in the east where he is now, I'm not sure what he has planned there, whether he forms another republic and exits it into Russia. Because historically, it has been Russia, not, but the territory in the West Ukraine is not. He knows that, and he is happy to live with that as a neutral state. And then McGregor goes on to say, we need to stop encouraging the Ukrainians to die. So that's his quote. So Jeffrey? Yeah, I, yeah I, I, that's all conjecture, I think, a lot of it. And that, as far as uh, historically, you could say that about every place, every, every 
you know, country from Poland, you know, into Russia and Latvia. They all used to belong to somebody else, but they don't choose to belong to somebody else now. And one, one, one clue that they don't choose to belong to somebody else now is when you got 60-year-old grandmothers getting AKs and going out in the street to fight the guys who are coming in. So I would disagree with Colonel McGregor about the and, – and as you guys eloquently brought out, just because you're encircled or even cut off doesn't necessarily mean you lost yet, you know? And, and the other thing is, um, the, uh, you know, Putin might not be the iron fist that he thinks he is. I mean, if one guy can see the, can, uh, you know, can give up within himself and say, you know, I, gotta, I can't get everything I was trying to get, I got to make a deal, then anyone can. And, all, and right now, everybody's leaning on this guy Putin, where he thought everyone's going to be leaning on, uh, on Zelensky. And really, there's only a couple jerks who are leaning on Zelensky. Putin's one, and guys this, like this McGregor are another one. Yeah, and there's been pretty, um, there's some, been pretty strong um, rebuttals to Colonel McGregor. Um, uh, Jennifer Griffin is Fox's yeah. correspondent at the Pentagon. Uh, quote, she came on after he did last night. I just heard your last guest, and I feel like I need to correct some of the things that Colonel Doug McGregor just said. I am not sure 10 minutes is enough time to do so because there are so many distortions of what he just said, and I'm talking about the West and NATO vilifying Putin and sounding like an apologist for Putin, right? And then she went on to take on, um, she went on to take on his factual, right, representations that, you know, that these military formations were done, right? They may be encircled, but they are not done fighting. And so, that, which corresponds to what we would say. So, anyway. Yeah, I would also say, how does the U.S. go in and tell Zelensky to cede territory to Russia and we back up the rest? That is an absolute echo of Munich. Right? Yeah. Yes, exactly it is. Good point. Hold on, hold on, and, hold on. Uh, we need a footnote. Could you footnote Munich, Will? So that's when Chamberlain went and gave up uh, Czechoslovakia to Hitler to say there's there's peace in our time. So he validated Hitler's crossing of the border and taking uh, possession. But you remember, Will? National norm. But you remember, Will? He didn't even he agreed to about half of that territory, and Hitler just took the rest. And they ignored it, you know. Yeah. So, because that's I what don't happens. Think that when, it, that's what happens when you get bullied. The bully, he don't stop bullying. With the, there's no deal that he's going to go by. And and Chamberlain was so weak, he didn't even say anything about it. The only one who said anything about it was half drunk Winston Churchill. Half drunk, big hero, very eloquent Winston Churchill. <laughs> half half drunk. Well, yeah, you know, he's he's poor. He wasn't prime minister yet. Yeah, it was only like he, he 1,300. He, he wasn't fully drunk. It was only 1,300. Which is, which is when he truly did his best work, uninhibited, yeah. right, as he was when fully drunk. Tim, you've been, uh, you've been very penchant, and you got your hands clasped in front of your nose. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, I get very – there seems to be within the, uh, the, the, the media government complex lots of people who would tell you what common sense is, such as – the Ukrainians are just sacrificing themselves against this immovable great object that they can't possibly battle. That's 
flat out fucking un-American and why listening to the news, as Will was saying earlier, listening to any discussion on the news is pointless because they are absolutely batshit crazy and don't know what they're talking about. As Unless, long of course, as you're listening to all marine radio. Yeah, thank you. That's exactly right. We're not quite that. No, no, we no, are. We, and we, we are the, we, got the, we are the bastion of sanity, right? Yeah, and I think yeah, we've we all do. been we've all been proven fucking correct that the shit we've said is fucking true. No, we remarkably consistent on that thing. But the fact that, that anybody would even say that we don't know what the shape of the Ukrainian army is, but it's got to stay in existence in order to survive, and that's that's the whole battle. It's just like our Revolutionary War. It's just he's like he's like Washington's army. As long as they're out there, they're not losing. That's number one. Number two is we don't know what the morale of the Russians troops are. What we know is about he's not put what maybe 40 percent of the forces he had lined up. He's got more forces to throw into this thing if that's the way he wants to go. And this might not be this could be, as Jeff was saying yesterday, it's only day five, now day six. This ain't over. It's not even close to over. But as long as it goes on, the longer it goes on, the worse it is for Russia and you know, indirectly for China. You know, one thing that jumped out at me, too, is, uh, and again, I checked on it because you hear things on the news and you, and sometimes you don't believe. So I hear that the Russians don't fight at night. And I also hear they're still doing the two-year conscript thing. And I'm thinking, why the fuck would they still keep doing that once the Soviet Union? You know, the Soviets, and apparently now the Russians, are more afraid of their men than afraid for their men. You know what I mean? And so consequently, they keep them weak and not very effective until they think they need them. And they just rely on numbers. So And the, then uh, and then they tell them that we're just going to do some live fire training, but you ought to load up all 15 of those magazines, boys. And because uh, yeah. this weekend drill, uh, it's going to be an interesting one. And yeah, I, mean, I, I, don't, don't have, I don't know if that story is fucking true. Okay, but if well, it is... What the but, fuck, man? But apparently the, the night vision thing is is very the, – the, the night vision capability is is uh, only among small units, special units, like okay. the Spetsnaz guys and stuff. Okay. And uh, I wouldn't know why you wouldn't want to have all your guys be as formal as you can unless, like I said, traditionally they're more afraid of their army than they are for their army. That's interesting because I, I would tell you that – you know, offensive momentum kicks into hyperspace at night. Yeah. Right. Oh hell yeah! When you own the, you do it. When you own the night and you operate with impunity at night, um, that's tough for your opponent to to match. And I've been curious about that too, Jeff, because it's not like overnight you see you know big news coming out. It's almost like it shuts down, uh, yeah. and then you wait for what's going to happen the next day, which is curious. Which is it's curious. night there now, right? I think it's night there now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What's but it, it's like what's the current current time in Kiev? So it's going to be about plus eight from here from East Coast. Plus so nine. it's about nine o'clock. Current time in Kiev, eight oh seven p.m. Okay, so it's getting ready to be night. Yeah, yeah. The, no, it's got to be dark there. They're pretty far north. Because right? if they had even a third of their troops, or at least able to operate at night with the fact they outnumber the, and this is in broad strokes, the fact they outnumber the Ukrainians three to one, then if you got a third of your guys, you can constantly keep pressure on. There's constant attacks. There's no, but here it kind of like everybody fights during the day, they lick their wounds and they get ready to duke it out again the next day, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah, we've seen that. That's how the that's how the Taliban pop. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then the next day they don't shake off the opium cloud until about what, ten, eleven in the morning? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I mean honestly, you could shit you could set your watch to it. Right? And then Yeah, uh, it's like how go. stupid they were, how dumb they were in the it wasn't them, but like Delta Force in Mogadishu in 1993, forced to engage the enemy at the time of their if they're most effective, right? Because of different caveats and stuff like that. Right, right, right. right. All right. Um, next 24 hours, what are you looking? What are you most interested to see, um, Tim? Well, I'm 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 interested to see what it, what Will was interested in yesterday, which is some leadership by our uh, our commander in chief. He appears to be gone, absent, not not anything coming. Not not that I'm looking hard to find it, mind you, but I it, he appears to be completely uh, uh, off this off the uh, this off scene, and so I'm interested in that. I'm still interested in seeing if the capital falls. It appears like it's not even close to falling. The longer that capital holds out and that army stays in existence, the the, the more happy I am because this is a fantastic thing to watch. This is fucking awesome. Well, as as long as as long as Ukraine wins, <laughs> yeah. Well, or, or does yeah, it lose is anything, too bad? Is anything going to come out of the negotiations? Um, and is the West going to follow through? Right? Is the U.S. going to join? Uh, the embargo against Russian civilian aviation, are the Swiss going to follow through? Uh, are we going to take the next step and cut off the Russian oil industry, which takes eight, nine, ten percent of the petroleum off the US, off the world market, which drives oil to one hundred fifty to two hundred dollars a day? You know, are those things going to happen? All right, Jeff. What, next twenty four. Next twenty four hours. Yeah, I've been thinking about this for the last two days. Um, it's about that time, and looking at. Zelensky and, and his commander standing around him. I'm thinking it's about time they did some kind of counterattack. I mean, they, they figure out where the enemy is, how active they are in this or that area. They concentrate, you know, you know, a couple thousand guys, and then they hit someplace hard. And, uh, and I'll tell you, kind of like, I mean, Will did a great job a couple weeks ago of laying out the, new, the uh, Christmas Eve attack in Trenton. That effect of that even without um social media or you know instantaneous communications was electric throughout the uh, you know the european world the fact that that we were that we were able to do that if they did some kind of version some ukrainian version of trenton you know recrossed the Dnieper river and kicked the shit out of a couple uh russian units on their territory i think that would be uh that would help them in the negotiations the Doolittle Road, right? Yeah, especially the since Doolittle the Russians, right. exactly. Yeah, and the Russians are doing fire for effect on the on the populated areas of the city while they're doing negotiations. That's obvious, you know, a ploy to uh, again continue the intimidation. The Ukrainians do this, you know, that says, and the whole world will exaggerate it and celebrate it. You know, so I'm I'm looking for something like that. They sure got the spirit for it. At least it seems that way from what we're seeing. Yeah, how about some event in Moscow? Oh, you mean like a terrorist attack? <laughs> right. No, just no. Yeah. Go after it's, it's, it's go a after it's a war. Image. It's a war now, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. So I mean, what else are you going to do? Invade my country? Yeah. You know, to me, um, I'm interested. In fact, it's there's a few articles here um, 
uh, if you if you Google the word oligarch, O-L-I-G-A-R-C-H, two Russian oligarchs call for end of Ukraine invasion, right? And then you see uh, an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal, right? The the oligarchs start to squeal. Vladimir Putin's posse of billionaire may have their assets seized, right? And uh, I want to say the last little piece of it is uh, Roman Abranovich handed control over his Chelsea soccer club to a foundation, perhaps for fear it might be seized if he controls it. The pro-Putin Russian television personality, personality Vladimir Solyev complained Friday about sanctions that might block access to his property near Italy's Lake Como. Quote, is this the Iron Curtain, he said? Question mark. <laughs> Ask it, the Wall Street Journal ends with this. Ask your Kremlin keeper, sir. If you benefit from a regime that invades and murders free people, you shouldn't be able to enjoy the fruits of, of that freedom. So I, I'm kind of curious to see, as Will said, the follow through on this, the economic follow through and all these things. And because that's what puts true pressure when this thing again, I do not believe the Ukrainians will cave. And as we pointed out, right, encircled is it shit, all right? We've done this historically in our lives. You know, our grandparents and great-grandparents lived through this shit. And if they can do it, we can do it. We are not going to surrender. And if they want to come in this street, into this city, we will line the streets with their blood. Okay? And so, and, and in, in the history of, of, of this city, we will do that. And so I think that it, it takes longer, and it puts President Xi, right? And when President Xi's support gets peeled away... And the oligarchs start looking at him saying, we're going to lose our shit, son. And then I think maybe that changes the calculus inside of Russia. So uh, I'm kind of looking for symptoms and outward signs that that's going to happen. So anyway. All right, boys, thank you very much uh, for doing this this morning. And uh, Jeffrey, uh, you're on your best behavior today. I'm very impressed. Thank you. Yeah. Obviously, (laughs) it's obvious that your relatives are listening in volume. So uh, well done. They are. They are listening. (laughs) See, now Jeff has been co-opted by the Irish-Italian mafia of South Florida now. (laughs) Which is is natural and easy to have happen to you, especially if there's a a lot of them. So anyway. All right, man. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Yeah, you too, man. All right. Bye-bye. How about that? I've never done that version of a program before. <laughs> what the hell? Grant Newsom followed by the Mensa Bros. All right. If you're still listening to this, uh, thank you. And um, it's going to take me a minute to finish recording this. And then I'll flip it over and you will hear it. So... Um, let me wind down the audio. And then in the first part of this, Grant Newsom talked about, I mean, really some historic stuff. Um, he talked about Prime Minister Abe's, former Prime Minister Abe um, of Japan, saying that Japan should rethink hosting American nuclear weapons. Um, which you're hearing that, and you're like, what did he just say? And that this whole concept of strategic ambiguity 
relative Japan's strategic ambiguity relative to Taiwan should be a thing of the past. We should look at the Chinese and say, we will defend Taiwan. And so, um, yeah, so the program starts with that. You'll hear Grant's thoughts on, on, on really, truly historical times that we live in right now. And the question is, you know, will the United States seek to prop up Russia or, or will they support Ukraine's independence and ultimately Russia's defeat in Ukraine? And I think we have a moral obligation to support Ukraine and do everything within our power, short of sending troops, right? Which means closing our airspace, doing every blow that we can, dealing every blow that we can deal to Russia, to it, as an example of what the American people are about. So um, let me wind this down and then I will uh, hit the save button and then you'll hear Grant Newsham and then you'll hear the Mensa brothers right behind them, him. So uh, thanks for listening. We'll kind of do a version of the same thing tomorrow. Probably not as long uh, or maybe it will be. I never fucking know. And uh, but I'm, I'm geeked up. I'm headed for Germany, I think, next week. Yeah, to go do post-traumatic winning in the Deutschland for the Air Force. So, yeah, I had a conversation with them this morning, so that's awesome. So, anyway, have a great day. I'm Mike McNamara, the Submarine Radio. This is our open-source ops intel discussion that we do during times of conflict. Uh, my thanks to uh, uh, everybody who emailed questions. Have a great day. I'm out. <laughs>